Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Normal back uh, second time and uh, as much of a week. Uh, got uh, Luke back in the studio, looking a little tired today. Mm-hmm. Did get his uh, cat food spaghetti though. Right. So he, if he got that, he passed out. And uh, carbicide. We want to thank the Tennessee Ray Chasers coming on last week. Uh, really cool interview. We had did have some problem with the audio, but uh, I'll kind of address that in the in the outro. But uh, I want to, as usual, you know, we're getting in with the guest and uh, kind of doing like a Halloween theme since it is October. So just every week we're uh, having something on about uh, ghosts and uh, have a kind of like a cool little announcement uh, at the end of the show. But uh, I want to bring on someone that we've had on the show before, and that is uh, Donna Parrish Bischoff. And uh, thank you, Donna, for coming on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. And you have... uh, for returning, um, you have a new book out called uh, "Growing Up Paranormal," and uh, I have uh, I have read the book and enjoyed it. And it's kind of like uh, a sequel, kind of some little bit of a prequel to the your your last book, which is the Lee Avenue Haunting, which uh, we had you on way back at the beginning of 2013, uh, talking about that kind of like a haunting that you went through for a number of years when you were a child. Yep. And this kind of continues on kind of where you left off. And uh, I want to just uh, talk about um, 
you know, what kind of, you know, to start off, you know, what made you interested in, you know, writing the book, talking about your experiences, and also, you know, compiling, you know, other people's experiences? Um, well, you know, through the years, I've, I've had so many experiences. Um, when I was small and I didn't understand quite was what was going on, really, um, you know, I was quite frightened and I had no answers. And, and I, I really, no one really has the answers, just to put it out there. It's not, I'm not even disclosing, oh, I have all the answers. Um, yeah. But, you know, we, we continue to seek um, the existence of a, a realm of another existence. Um, so when I was small and I was growing up and all these things started happening, I said, you know, like too many things just kind of click into place and, and too many things must mean something. Um, so I wanted to kind of delve into it and, and research it and, and find out, okay, what exactly is going on here, you know, and um, I started looking into it um, just when, I guess, the, you know, the famous ghost, uh, you know, shows were coming on a few years ago, and I said, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to start investigating, and um, I don't really care what people think of me, um, and, and sure enough, I guess, because everyone watches these shows, it, it caught on, it's like a fashion statement, um, rather than a quest. For me, it's a quest. It's a scientific quest. It's a, it's a spiritual quest. And, um, you know, I truly believe that, you know, when we die, we, we just don't, that's it. We don't just flatline and go nowhere, you know. Right. And um, a lot of people think that's it. You die, you go straight to heaven. Well, possibly, and I believe that a lot of people, after they pass, they go back and forth, and they're allowed to visit. You know, not all the time, but I, you know, they are allowed to come back and forth and communicate with us, either in person or to our dreams. So, um, you know, I'm just on. You know, I just rolled up my sleeves and I said, you know, I just have to find out what's going on. And um, you know, and I, I know the day that I die, I still won't have the answers. Well, maybe after I, I pass on to the other realm, I will probably. But, you know. Maybe I'll try to write it down on a post-it and leave it for one of you. I don't know. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so communicate us with, with, through the Ouija board yes. or something. Well, I, uh, I enjoy post-its. So. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. Just random post-its just start floating around, and we'll know it's from, we'll know it's from you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you start out the book uh, with, like, a really interesting story, and uh, – that is uh, a story when you were a child, like a really young child, and I believe this is before the events at Lee Avenue. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, that's the the story with the uh, with the doll. Oh, Kiko, Kiko. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Kiko uh, presented himself to me through my my mother's godmother, who I um, we all endearingly called her Tanta May. Tanta is um, German for aunt. And um, I swear to God, if you've ever seen, you know, these women play Mrs. Santa Claus, you know, my Tante May, if you can picture Mrs. Santa Claus, that was my Tante May. And she was a chef who came over here from Germany, and so she would travel quite a bit. So when she went to, I think it was in Spain, she purchased Kiko. Um, She brought him back to me, and um, I absolutely adored him. I loved him. He was my favorite doll. And until Kiko, I guess, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better word, be, be, you know, was uh, taken control of by something in that um, home that I lived in. And uh, he started to, to, to move down the, the hallway to me. And I, I, I was thrilled. You know, I was pleased as punch because I wanted to play with him. 
Yeah. And I thought it was so exciting that Chico was coming to me, but I was too young to figure out, wait a minute, he, he, he's not supposed to be doing that, and he has no batteries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my mother, she was, you know, hand, doing some hand laundry in, in the bathroom, and uh, she heard me saying Kiko, and, you know, and she was like, what, you know, in her mind, she was like, what, what is my daughter doing? And so she poked her head out of the bathroom door, and she was like, oh, my God, you know, and she went running, and uh, she grabbed the doll, stuck him in a bag, and, you know, he was placed in the garbage, and I was just devastated. Till this day, I'm devastated, and I'm, you know, almost 48 years old, so I'm still devastated, devastated by the loss of my doll. Um, you know, and I, and I look back and I go, wow, you know, would have really been neat to still have him. And my sister, you know, and she's nine years older than me, she goes, are you effing crazy? I wouldn't want that doll in the house. <laughs> you know, and I was like, to me, it's cool. You know, it's like, I, how many people get to say that besides the people who had Annabelle? And, and then, I mean, I didn't know about Annabelle. I mean, I was only, you know, a very, very small child. So. I, uh, I miss what it was the doll was doing um he was walking down he was beginning to walk you know like how the dolls like shift their feet like a little you know like those moving dolls that kind of look stiff uh-huh. if he had batteries it would have been very normal for him to start walking i mean if someone had turned him on but the fact that you know my parents they didn't really have a whole lot of money for extra batteries and they got annoyed by anything that had bells whistles walked talked blinked they they rather put food on the table than a battery and a toy. Right. Um, so the batteries were not in Kiko, you know, and so... So he was supposed to have batteries. Yeah, he was supposed to have batteries. Okay. And no batteries were in him. You know, like the door on his back was even ripped off because, you know, I I was always, right. I was like an exploring type of child. I wanted to find out yeah. how things worked. So, you know, I don't even know where his back uh, plate went. At that point, it was just, uh, you know, those little sockets where you put the batteries in with the springs. And so he was, he was, I guess, trying to come to me and play with me or something in that house was making him move, obviously. But, you know, mm. I'm still fascinated by it, you know. And um, I went even as far as going on eBay last year and tracking down this particular, not that same doll, obviously, but someone else had this doll. And they were selling it for $164. And um, I think he had no pants on. I was like, I was a little disturbed that they were going to sell him without any pants. Um, (laughs) You know, and I was like, should I, should I bid on it? Should I buy it? You know, and I was like, you know, I really, you know, I really need a new set of tires for my car. So I thought it was kind of a foolish, flippy, you know, sudden purchase just to get this doll because it really wasn't the same one. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't Kiko. Yeah. What kind of doll was it? He was... um, Blonde hair, blue-eyed, um, a sky-blue pajamas with a white bib, and embroidery with in blue, uh, it said Kiko, K-I-K-O, across his bib. And I still so remember K- it. Kiko was probably like the brand of the doll? No, I think that was his name, Kiko. Like if okay. you, you know, because I've even Googled Kiko, and it came up all this weird Japanese stuff, and, and it didn't make any sense, and I just kept saying you know, German-looking doll, walking doll, vintage doll, and I finally, I, uh-huh. you know, I, you know, I found it, but it wasn't the same doll that I had. That would have been amazing, though, you know, if someone else found him and had stories, but, you know, it, it never, you know, reared its head that way, so who knows So what your happened. mom hears it, she goes out to the hall, 
sees this doll like walking without any batteries in it, oh. no power source. Oh yeah, I still remember. She was like, she grabbed your mouth and was like, oh Jesus, you know. <laughs> I think she yeah. she lit a, f- a couple of f bombs, maybe go, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, you know, it was just very vivid, a very vivid memory um, that day and and what had happened. Um, you know, and I, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, I can't tell you that Kiko was possessed. I can't tell you if whatever what was in that house with us was making it do that. I mean, that's that's the scientific part that I'm just I'm like so eager to to know and find out. You know, I mean, I have no idea if something slipped into him. I have no answers, but. You know, it it sure was a really interesting experience that I had and my mother had. I mean, I think that would freak me out, too, if I just saw that thing just, like, walking around, like, you know. But do you think, um, in light of some of your other experiences, do you think that that you, as a child, possibly could have been the one doing it yourself, like subconsciously or unconsciously? Well, you know, something that's a really good point, because poltergeist activity comes from children and adolescents. And you know what? Yeah. Yeah, you you bring an excellent point to the table that, you know, maybe perhaps I wanted, I was maybe willing him to me. I mean, I really, you know, that's a really excellent point. Um, And, uh, you know, it's quite possible, because when I was younger, you know, a lot of uh, stories... Um, that I remember is, you know, I used to be able to affect certain things, and I'm like, that's really weird. And and my my aunt and my father, um, I was out of the house food shopping with my mother, and um, they, my aunt was cooking dinner in the kitchen. My father was in his chair watching news, and just above was my bedroom. And they thought I had come home a little bit earlier. They thought I was having a fight on the phone with my boyfriend into a tantrum. And they, you know, I was well into my teens at this point. I was like 18 or 19. And they hear bang, 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 like I'm stomping around, like I'm having the tantrum. And they hear me screaming and yelling. They hear things being thrown around. And my father and aunt ran to the bottom of the stairs. And they were like, you know, Donna, cut your crap out. You know, what's going on up there? Blah, blah, blah. So my father goes, I'm going to go up there. So she goes, all right, well, just, you know, be careful, whatever. Uh, She sounds really upset. So he opens up my bedroom door. Nothing's touched. I'm not in there. Nothing is thrown around. Absolutely nothing. And five minutes later, I come through the door with my mother. I have grocery bags. And I have no idea what they just went through. I have no idea at all. And they looked at me. They're like, what what, what kind of game are you playing with us? And I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm like, I'm not playing any game. So my mother, she's behind me. She's like, what are you talking about? Donna's been with me the entire time at Edwards. Then it, and now they're called Stop and Shop. At that time of my life, they were called Edwards Supermarkets. And um, there was no way that I was in that house doing that. And um, they told me what happened. I said, really? I got freaked out. And they said, yeah, we heard you yelling and screaming and throwing a tantrum and throwing things around your bedroom. So. It was it was about the same time. I mean, maybe you were a little younger. There's another story, and you actually have um, some of your friends um, kind of attest to this. And they give their own version of the story in the book, and about you guys were um, having like a sleepover, and like the door slammed. And there's another interesting story about a pearl. Yes. 
Yes, that was um, that story that you're speaking of now happened, I would say, about three or four years, probably about three years prior to what I just told you. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, and actually, it wasn't even in the same apartment. This was at a, a separate living place. And um, so I had I had the sleepover, and uh, my mother said, "Okay, I'm I'm going to go sleep in the in your sister's bedroom. She's out for the night with her friends. You girls, you you can watch MTV in the living room. You can sleep and you know whatever you got to do." So we're like, "Okay, great." And our friend Rose was sleeping in the living room on the high rise couch, and in the bedroom there was myself, my friend Beth, and my friend Anita. So. I thought I was just so cocky. I was like, oh, boy, you know. And uh, my, my girlfriend, Anita, she was like, well, how do you know? I mean, are you sure your your house is haunted? Are you sure? I mean, things happen? I go, yes, they are. And so the bedroom door was open, and there was a corner chair that I had in the bedroom. My other girlfriend, Beth, was sitting at the desk. My friend, Anita, was sitting on, like, a little sofa that I had in the bedroom. And I said, watch, if there's a ghost in here, you know, uh, I'm going to sit on their lap right now. And at that, my butt hit the chair, the door slammed, the lights turned out, the door locked. So we were like the three stooges hitting into each other in the dark, trying to get that door open and screaming. So it, it was pretty amazing. I mean, I, the, the thing is, I was so young, I didn't realize, and I shouldn't have been sarcastic, you know, and I was kind of provoking things at that point. And it's something I shouldn't have done, but I learned that early on. You don't mess with the dead. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, do you think, and I want to get to the pearl here in a second, but do you think, you know, this isn't too long. I think what uh, Lee Avenue, I think you moved out of there when you were, what, was it like you were 12 yes. around that mm-hmm. time? So do you think that um, things were kind of following you at that point? You know, um, it's it's a large possibility that maybe something felt connected to me or um, comfortable with me to bring itself to be with me or our family. Yeah. Um, you know, because I a lot of people go, you know, I just, some people go their whole life and they don't have not one experience. And when I do my lectures, I get people looking at me like, um, you know, they think I'm full of poo and uh, they go, yeah, I I've never had an experience, and I can't even imagine having as many as as you've had, or or going through what you've gone through. Um, and I go, well, yeah, one might think. But there are some people that go through their entire lives, like myself, um, and people that I know really well, that have gone through one after another after another experience, proving that the spiritual life still exists beyond our reality after we finish our life there's something there's whether it be energy or it be a spirit whatever you feel comfortable calling it there's definitely signs all around us some of us are open some are of us are closed i guess it all depends on your level of comfort with this this topic do you find um just a quick question do you find that Women are more receptive than men. I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't hear that. Do you think women are more receptive to the kind of phenomenon than men are? Because um, you always hear about that in these kind of like haunting cases. Like the dad is always kind of like in the in denial, or he doesn't have any experiences, and it's always like the 
the mom that has the experiences or like the, you know. Yeah, well, very much like how I grew up. That's exactly how right. I grew up. My my father was, um, you know, until later in his life, and then he kind of admitted. He goes, I, I think something's going on, you know. And that was shortly before his death in 1998. He kind of came out and said, yeah, I think things happen, <laughs> you know. And I... And I really, I treasure that moment that he actually came out and admitted that he kind of believes that things go on. Um, but yeah, I think predominantly, yes, it does seem like um, things happen to women more. But um, I can say very comfortably that I, I deal with a lot of, um, you know, uh, I guess um, kindred spirits out in the paranormal investigator world that are male-dominated. And they have had um, a really good share of their own experiences. So for me, meeting all of these people and, and interviewing with these people, it, it brings me comfort, you know, because knowing that, okay, I'm not the only one. And, and okay, people aren't going to say, oh, here's another crazy female. At least, you know, there are men coming out and saying, no, I've, I experienced that. I've gone through this. And they totally understand um, which I'm very thankful for because it's very rare right. that someone comes forth and they, they say, well, I've had these experiences and this exists. Um, you know, so it's kind of like, a, I guess, lack of a better expression coming out of the paranormal closet, you know, just uh, to admit this. So I'm happy about that, I can say. Yeah, I've just always wondered about that. It seems like sometimes that women can be more receptive to it than men. Like myself, I mean, I had experiences when I was little, but like since then, really nothing. And like I think Luke has maybe had like a hand, maybe like one experience, weird experience in his life, but that's it. And I've met, you know, uh, younger girls, especially one, especially that's had like a number of those kind of experiences. So it's just, it, it's it's interesting. It is. It, it really, truly is. Um, we had an, an investigator on our team um, uh, a couple of years ago, and highly intelligent, you know, degrees hanging off the wall, you know, to, and the whole thing. And and he, he always said, I've never had one experience. So I used to say, yeah. well, why are you doing this? I mean, not in a sarcastic way. I just I really wanted to know. And he goes, because I'm dying, no pun intended, to have an experience. I'm, I really want to see or hear or feel what everyone else is experiencing. Um, you know, and I don't know. I mean, I've kind of lost touch with that person uh, to a degree and, um, you know, because their, their life took them to another way of, you know, working career and whatnot. And people get busy and lose touch. So I don't know till this day if he has or hasn't had an experience. So, I mean, I hope he does, uh, you know, not in a bad way, just, you know, just to kind of fulfill his own quest. Right. Yeah, it's, um, I just, just wonder about that. That's why I wanted to, to ask about the, um, you know, whether there was some, some division there. Like, uh, I don't know if anybody's really done that as like a, as like a study of just like, you know, women, the ratio of experiences by women to the ratio of experiences by men. Right. I think that would be kind of interesting. But the pearl, um, you know, back to your friends, mm -hmm. you know, the, the pearl thing is interesting, too, because I think it's like you gave someone a pearl and things started to happen. Yes. Um, we were in the apartment, uh, and it was, we had like a duplex. We had, the, uh, you know, an upper and a, and a lower level. So me and my girlfriend, we went to the, the lower level, 
And there was a box of belongings that were left from the people who had moved out. And I didn't know it at that very time, but the gentleman um, who lived there with his wife actually passed away of a heart attack, and they had lived there for like 30 years. So, you know, we didn't know any better, so we're just going through all the, the stuff. So she goes, oh, look at this, you know, it's really interesting. I said, you know, take it, you know, I don't, I don't need it to want it. So uh, my, my girlfriend brought the pearl home, and... Um, it was so strange because, you know, she had an affinity for uh, Sly Stallone and Rocky, so she woke up and her poster was completely, like, by his throat, across his throat. It looked like someone took um, a razor and completely sliced his head off. And she woke up, <laughs> and it was I guess they didn't like the Rocky movies. I'm not quite sure. And... Um, <laughs> Then she went into her bathroom, and she she was blaming her sister. She was blaming, and, you know, the sisters were like, I was already out of the house into college, and, you know, I didn't want to touch your, your Rocky poster. So she went into the bathroom, and she had the door open. And if you look into the vanity mirror of her bathroom, if you, you see immediately behind her, um, you would envision, I guess, her, her dining room table and the head chair, you know, the, the, the captain's chair. And so she was, you know, combing her hair and stuff, and she saw a woman with bright red hair and blue eyes staring at her, sitting at the head of the table. Whoa. And she was like, oh, my God. So she panicked. She came to school with it, and um, she goes, i got to talk to you. So she grabbed me in the, the girls' room of the high school She's telling me this. I went, oh, my God. So we hear the toilet flush and opens the door. It's our friend Jackie, who, thank God, it was somebody that, you know, uh, <laughs> doesn't think we're crazy. So she goes, you know what, I don't know if I take so much, uh, you know, belief in all this stuff. Let me take the pearl off your hands and, uh, you know, let me just relax. Let me just. So we're like, are you sure? Yeah, 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 I'll take it. Two days later, we don't hear from her, you know. So she finally gets back to us, and she goes, I flushed that gosh darn thing that I, there was a stronger word there, but, you know, sure. uh, <laughs> I, I flushed that down the toilet. She goes, I've never had so much bad luck. I've, I failed three tests, and I got, like, beat up or something, you know. She goes, never in my life, all this weird stuff started happening to me. So she flushed it. And as soon as she flushed it, it was just like nothing else bad happened to her. My, my girlfriend didn't see anything weird at her house anymore. It was just very odd that a piece of jewelry or, or an object can have such an impact with vibrations and energy and things that it kind of just projects out there to, to others. You know, it just, uh, I, so I was quite interested in that, that you can actually take an object and it holds the vibrations of whatever it be, the past, negative, positive, in between, and kind of uh, infiltrates on your daily routine, you know. And so I, I don't have an explanation for that, but it was just the most bizarre thing that this thing came out of that house, and, um, and both of my girlfriends had such a bad time. Do you think that the... I mean, I guess you can only really speculate, but do you think that the uh, woman that sh that was there, um, that she saw, was the woman who owned the pearl? I, you or know, owned the necklace that came off of? That's the the most um, that's the most logical guess um, that I can come up with. 
that it was whoever owned that pearl, because we're like, who is this woman, you know, with the red hair yeah. and the blue eyes, and, you know, like, she felt perhaps, I mean, and I'm, I'm, I'm really grasping here, but logically, she was probably angry that, you know, we opened up a box that did not belong to me, did not belong to my friends, my family, or anyone, and we gave her personal belongings away, you know, and, and so matter-of-factly, like, they didn't mean anything anymore. So she was probably angry. I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah. Did you say that the uh, apparition was in the darkness, or was it light in the room? No, it was the morning, so my girlfriend had her the light on from the kitchen, which is uh, it was a, it's a one-bedroom apartment, So, and, and especially if, if you've ever seen, like, a New York apartment, they're like, one giant room. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's one of those. And it was like morning light. She had the bright light on in the bathroom. So it's not like she was kind of looking and, and, you know, sometimes you stare into a mirror and you kind of, if you stare long enough, you'll begin to, your eyes get funny and you begin to see things. It wasn't anything of that nature. It was her, you know, just brushing her hair and trying to get ready for her school bus. And um, she looked and she just almost crapped her pants right on the spot. So, wow. just like plain as day, just sitting there, like a like a real physical person. Yep, like a real person. She was solid. It wasn't like it was faded. It wasn't a mist. It wasn't a shadow. It was like a real human being sitting at her table, looking at her. Huh. Yeah, and it's like the rent for the uh, one bedroom apartment is probably like three thousand dollars or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like thirty years ago, not so much. Now, yeah, it's crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's why I live all the way upstate New York because you can yeah. get a decent sized apartment for, you know, less than a thousand dollars. Yeah. There's too many yellows, there's too many yellows, there's too many. <laughs> I think about the uh rent is too damn high party of the guy up there. Oh uh, my god, yes. Uh, <laughs> god. Is he still uh, alive? <laughs> I I have no idea, I hope. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, let's put him in office. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, you had too, also, um, you know, with your with your parents um, when they passed on, you had encounters um, with them, yes, yes, as well. And I want to go into that too because, you know, this is um, this is one of those things where people, you know, that kind of deny. Um, well, there's a lot of people out there that say that ghosts are, you know, a demonic deception or something mm -hmm. like that. I don't, I don't fall in that category, right. And I think that people need to understand, you know, that sometimes, you know, our loved ones do come back and they do communicate with us. They absolutely do, yep. Mm -hmm. they, they really, truly do. And, you know, if anybody who, who, who knew my dad, um, you know, he's very hard-headed. And, and if, you, if you read the Lee Avenue haunting, then I kind of gave a sense of the kind of gruff and, you know, uh, rough and tumble type of person he was, um, yeah. you know, he was a no-nonsense type of guy. He was like, nope, there's logical explanations. Cut your crap out, blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't see anything. You know, uh, uh, skeletons could be dancing in front of him, and he'd be like, I don't see that, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. And um, so that's that's the type of personality my dad was. And for the longest time, I really, I was like, oh, my God, he probably hates me because he was just so rough around the edges. And um, after my mom had passed away, I had grown closer with my dad because it was just me and him living together. And he did his own thing. You know, he worked for 
for the city of uh, Yonkers for Veterans Affairs, and he traveled a lot between Long Island and Florida, and, you know, he had his own life. And But the one thing we had were Sunday mornings where we'd have our, you know, he'd put up the pot of coffee and go get the Lincoln Park Bakery egg rolls, and we'd sit down and talk for about a half an hour. And I think for the last two years of his life is when I really became very close to him, and we became friends, and it was it was really very special. It was a special time for me because I actually saw that he was he was human. You know, he wasn't this kind of guy that um, was I don't know how young or old uh, either of you gentlemen are, but if you remember the the commercial of the the guy uh, Robert Conrad, and he knocked this battery off my shoulder. You know, I realized my my dad was not that person. He was really a very cool person. I, you know, we just needed I needed to grow into him. He needed to grow into me, and right. uh, we learned to love each other's personalities, and we became really good friends. So when he had died, I was like, man, you know, I just didn't get enough time. I didn't. Get, I felt cheated, you know, out of that that daughter father relationship. So it was really a beautiful experience to have these instances where I realized he was communicating with me on his level, you know, um, and I realized that, you know, there's there's no way that this would have happened unless we, we bonded, you know, and, um, you know, I, I just, I felt it was really a, like a very sacred experience, uh, the times that he reached out to me. And, it, you know, it, it doesn't have to be scary. Not all of these experiences are, oh, my God, I'm going to run out of the house and go grab the priest and call the Vatican, you know. Fly, <laughs> start showing up. Exactly. Then... You know, it was like me going, wow, that was really beautiful. I treasure this experience. And, you know, and I, I put a big smile on my face, and it really warmed me. So, you know, just to let people know out there, it's okay, you know. It's, they, they don't come back looking like the walking dead, you know. It's, it's okay. <laughs> I, you, go ahead, Luke. I felt like I was in a horror movie the other day cleaning up the uh, house because uh, for the listeners, uh, Adam and I uh, switched spots. Uh, I took over his position in a house with a couple other guys. Yeah. And um, like I was cleaning it and all of the flies showed up all of a sudden, you know, for a, a few minutes. And then I was surrounded by like a hun- like hundred more flies. Oh, my God. So you were like James Brolin in the Amityville horror. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I felt. Yeah. It, like yeah. it, it was it was really weird. And then uh, just just as soon as they came in, they were all gone. Wow. <laughs> I think that might have been a paranormal experience. Oh, it was weird. Well, I mean, did someone leave a bad subway sandwich under a bed or something to cause that to happen? Or, yeah. Well, there there was sort of a mess in the house. Yeah. You know, there was uh, old food in the carpet and in the kitchen oh, and stuff like that. Okay. But. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there's your there's your demonic possession. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you had a, too, Donna, an experience like, like where you know your mom uh, came back to you as well. Yeah, that that was uh, that was a really cathartic moment for me because um, you know she I had you know she had suffered with cancer so terribly, and uh, when she had passed, all my you know everyone was like, you got to go to the wake and you got you got to go up to the casket and I was like I know what she looked like I am in reality I don't want to remember the last image of my mother in you know looking like a wax figure I didn't want to so I stayed cuz my eyes are I have really bad eyesight so I said I'm going to stay to the back of the, the waking room and my mother knows how I feel and she's okay with that and I was really you know I was confident 
that my mother would not be angry if I didn't walk up to the casket. Right. Um, so three days later, um, because they were going to actually bury her on Halloween Day, and my mother was a devout Catholic. So my mother, huh. you know, always knew that on Halloween what happens. You know, the veil between the living and the dead are open. You know, so she didn't want to get caught in between and stay earthbound. This was, she used to always talk about this. So when she had died on October the 27th, they, they count, you know, by the time we got everything together and the funeral home said, okay, we're going to, um, we're going to have a three day wake and then a funeral and we're going to bury her on Halloween day. I said, absolutely no, not a chance. And I was very adamant about that. I was like, my mother will be very upset. Just don't do it. You know, they said, well, it didn't make a difference. She's already, you know, I go, I'm telling you, please, don't do it. Let's make it two days. Yeah. Don't make it the traditional Catholic thing. Make it two days. You know, so that's what they did. They honored her wishes through through my demands, I guess, you know. <laughs> and um, so it was on the 30th. She was, she was buried. And uh, on the third day, you know, I was sitting in my bedroom, and I was on the phone. I'm on the corner of the bed, and I don't even, till this day, I don't remember who I was on the phone with. This is how much this experience, it, it really took me for a loop, and uh, I would have thought maybe perhaps I was hallucinating, except for I had a witness. And uh, I know you're going to laugh when I tell you who the witness was, but it was my, my cat, who my mother loved dearly. <laughs> and... The cat was very expressional. She used to communicate with my mother all the time. And in my room at that time, I had a little bistro uh, round table, you know, the, the soda shop chairs. I had these lovely drapes. My mother used to always say, this is my favorite corner of the room. It reminds me of France. My mother's never been to France, but that's okay. She probably watched it on a documentary. <laughs> you know, she like Al Bundy, he's going to Paris in his living room, and he roped everything off around the couch. Um, right. <laughs> So what happened was um, I'm sitting on the bed, and I see this brilliant light. It wasn't a light bulb. It wasn't – I can't even describe to you the brilliance of this, this uh, awesome light that started maybe seven or eight feet into the air, a small like dot, and almost it, it grew and grew and grew and then took shape of a human figure, but I could not see any figures. Um, my cat – walked into the room, walked calmly over to it, um, stood up on her hind legs, put one of her paws on the beef stro chairs, and reached out with the other paw and was, was like meowing at this light. And I'm staring at my cat, I'm staring at this light, and it didn't, it felt like it was forever, but I know it wasn't. I know it was like maybe 10 seconds. And I'm looking and I'm looking, and as soon as I just like really stared at it, the whole light kind of sucked back up um, and just dissipated, went back to a small ball and just went away. To me, and I, you know, when I say this every single time I tell the story, I believe that was my mother, you know, ascending to whatever she believes heaven to be, and it was her way of saying goodbye to me. And, and the cat, too. I guess, you know, you know, kill two birds with one stone, say goodbye to, the, you know, my daughter and the cat, yeah. you know. So, <laughs> and, you know, and it was just like this brilliant light. I can't even describe to you. And I have another friend who uh, I've just met in the last three years. Um, and my mother died in 1992. So I had that experience back in 1992. My girlfriend, who I met about three years ago, 
we're just discussing things, and, and um, she was pregnant with her last child, and her mother died a week before she gave birth. So uh, it was a couple of days, I guess, after. She had just given birth uh, a few days after, and she was having severe pains, severe pains. And she was telling me this story, and she never even knew that the story that I just told you about my mother and the light and my cat. And she goes, I don't know, but I felt like there was, um, I was in a whirlwind. There was a gust of air around me, and it was circling me. Um, and she goes, then I saw a very bright light I can't even describe to you, and I had no pain. It was like all the pain was taken from me. And she goes, and for whatever reason, I knew it was my mother saying goodbye to me. And that, on that note, I was my every hair stood up when I heard her story because I'm saying to myself, I feel validated. Because this this is this is something that's not so rare that a lot of people do go through, so our loved ones definitely reach out to us after they go, and yeah. um, you know it may not be in your you know by postcard it may you know what I'm saying it not may not be the way you want it to be, but it, it it happens unexpectedly, you know, and when it happens it's like you just learn to appreciate it and all that much more. Um, that story about your mom. Um reminded me of a story uh, that my mother had uh, told me and uh, a few years ago uh, my grandfather passed away and she was um, kind of taking care of things at the house that my grandfather was living at and uh, when he passed away and she went over to the neighbor's house for some odd reason I don't remember why and she's over there talking to the neighbors, and she said that uh, she looks over in the window, and she could see the, you know, the house from the neighbor's house, and uh, she looks over in the window, and there is these, like, bright lights just in the kitchen, just kind of circling around, and then they just kind of just slowly just kind of disappear, and she, she saw it, and the neighbors saw it, both saw it at the same time. Wow. So, you know, she said that she thought that may have been my grandfather or something mm-hmm. trying to communicate. Um, but I want to talk about, too, uh, there's some uh, interesting experience that you had before we kind of get to your um, kind of like this, you know, uh, talk about this apartment, uh, which has some like kind of freaky stories in it. Uh, you had an encounter with like you, what you think is like like a like an Indian spirit or, or somebody. Yes, that, that happened while I was um, living at Lee Avenue. And uh, the interesting thing about this um, is I, I didn't know I was part Native American at the time of this because I was, I was quite young. And, you know, yeah. children are not really into their ancestry at that age. Um, you know, and back then in the 1970s, kids didn't have all these computer smarts. And they didn't, you know, it was like you go outside, you play, you know, um, what is that, um, hopscotch, and you play, you know, on your bike, and that was it. You know, you had no, and you had like five TV channels. You know, the, I've, this was before kids were just like, you know, jacked into their phones and. Exactly. You know, I mean, I, I, I can't even imagine. I feel like so horrible because like a five-year-old can program an iPhone in like four seconds, you know, <laughs> and probably load an automatic rifle in half the time. And, you know, now it's like I look back and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, like was I, you know, something wrong with me or no? We just didn't. You know, we were kids. We were just plain old kids. You know, we didn't know anything more than just being a child. Today, it's it's all different. It's a different ball field. You know, um, 
So at that time, I, you know, and still to this day, I suffer from a lot of migraines. Anybody who's listened to me, come to my lectures, this is something I do talk about. Not because I want to complain about my pain, but, but yeah. uh, you know, it's like I, I am a migraine sufferer. So uh, for me, um, I, and I'm not sure if this is paranormal related, because I know a lot of people with, that get a lot of paranormal activity, they're struck with a lot of migraines. I don't know if it's just a coincidence or I, you know, I have no idea if the two are connected. So at this point, um, I was a child. It was a hot summer day. I came in. I said, uh, you know, this was one of the times um, because I saw this Indian gentleman several times um, lay down on the bed and my mother would put the TV on and, you know, I'm like, okay, she put a rag on my head and I'd get bored and whatnot. And standing at the threshold of my bedroom would be this, Indian type of chief looking man with full headdress and the feathers and the whole thing and he resembled my dad that was the really weird part for me so I'm saying what is going on I mean why you know and I looked at him enough because he used to come all the time and he'd be like screaming but no one else would hear him screaming no one else would see him so my mother thought okay I I think Donna's losing it a little bit so She's like, okay, count to ten, you know, don't panic. Just, if you see this thing or this person, call me. So I was like, there he is again. And she goes, okay, tell me again, what does he look like? I said, he looks like daddy, dressed up like an Indian with long gray crazy hair, with feathers in his hair. And So she goes, okay, did you know that your father is part Native American? I said, no. She goes, yeah, he's part Indian. You know, then you, you, you called the Native American an Indian back in the 1970s. Um, It wasn't so politically correct and, you know, all this other stuff. So I was like, wow, I didn't know that. So then she she showed me this history book that, you know, I guess it was in my father's belongings of these Native Americans. She goes, does this, do any of these look like, you know, what you were seeing? I'm like, yeah, only dress like that, but look like daddy. So once she told me that my ancestry, my background was part Native American, Lo and behold, I never saw the Indian chief again. In in this book, though, you talk about that you did see someone that kind of resembled an Indian um, at like a re- retreat that you were oh, at. Oh, you're, you're talking about uh, the the Bear Mountain, Bear Mountain Native yeah, American. The Bear Mountain, yes, yeah. he huh? was a real person. He was not. Okay. Yeah, he was a real live human being. I don't want anyone to mistake it and think I'm I'm seeing ghosts at Bear Mountain now. <laughs> I he was yeah. a real live person, but it was uh, very significant. Uh, it was a spiritual uh, awakening for me at that time. Um, I was in a a bad way in in a bad relationship, or you know. Just it was it was tanking. It was time. It was time to like you know put it out to the trash, and uh, you know and on the night of the full moon, you know uh, me and that person would often go up to Bear Mountain or you know wherever the full moon could be seen, and um, but this day just wasn't right, and we were just arguing and bickering and arguing and bickering. It just felt so painful, and um, I I said you know what I. Let's get up here. Let's pull into the parking lot. Um, I said, I need to use the restroom at the Bear Mountain Lodge. So I was just so agitated. I just, oh, you know, so much static going on around me. So I was walking in, and I heard this this melody, this, this song or something. And it was a real song. It was coming from, it's not like it was a ghostly tune. It, it really was happening by a human yeah. being. 
and I heard it echoing, and, and, and the lodge was empty. There really wasn't anyone in there except for the person at the desk. And I said, you know, where's that music coming from? They go, I think it's coming, you know, from where the, the actual lawn is. I'm like, okay. So I'm, I'm walking back out to the car after I finish in the ladies' room, and I need, I'm like drawn, I need to find out this music. I need to find out. I need to reach this person. It was like a fever. I needed to touch base with this, as crazy as that sounds. And I saw this Native American man, and he was doing Tai Chi, and he, was, he had his little CD player next to him. And I said, I'm sorry to bother you, but can you tell me what this song is really haunting me? And he goes, it's How the, How the West Was Lost soundtrack. I said, oh, okay. I said, it's really beautiful. And he goes, yes. Then he looked over at me. He looked over at my car into the parking lot. And he goes, you know, like bad relationships are like fingernails. When you slam your finger into a door, the nail dies and a new one grows back. He goes, just like your relationship. And it was like he he was just reading me and it was just such an awakening. It was like, he goes, you know, and you will, you know, be strong. And, and I was like, wow. It's like I was drawn to the music because I needed to get the message from him somehow and he probably doesn't even know why he had to give that message to me till this day he's probably going why did I say this to this woman (laughs) you know (laughs) but for whatever reason I needed to get that message from him and lo and behold two weeks later my relationship did end and it was just it was just like we both agreed we're like this this is bad this is unhealthy this is not good and um I I just had like a rebirth. Everything was, you know, rejuvenating. I just felt, you know, happy. I felt like so many things in my life were going to be possible now. And, um, you know, and when cassettes were in, I don't know if anyone remembers what a cassette was. Uh, Uh, I do. Okay, (laughs) thank you. And I ordered. (laughs) I still got some of my 90s cassettes. You know, I mean, I don't have a tape recorder anymore. (laughs) Well, I do. That's a lie. I have an old shoebox tape recorder. so I ordered How the West Was Lost, the, the double cassettes. And trust me, any time I, I needed to figure something out, I'd, pop, I'd go for a drive. I didn't care if it was midnight, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. I would pop this, uh, this, ca- this cassette in, and it was just so beautiful, you know, the melody. And it, I just felt like, okay, everything is going to be okay. It was just like I was drawn to this music for a reason. I was drawn to this Indian for a reason. Um, there are some people we just we need to meet and we need to get that message. And um, he was a live human being, so I don't want anyone saying it was a ghost. It was not a ghost. Right. So yeah. So. Um, do you think that like your Indian heritage could contribute to some of these like these encounters? Because I, I have heard that like, and Luke, you could probably back me up on this that some of the Native American, uh, there seem like kind of like that they that they have as a culture. Um, accept more of the existence of another world, another plane of being. Well, I, I would say too that uh, I've heard, <clears throat> I've heard more people say that they've seen apparitions of Native Americans more than yeah. like any other ethnicity. Interesting. That's isn't that? I mean, that's. I mean, for me, that's awesome. I know a lot of people out there are going awesome. That's just crazy. <laughs> um, that's just crack crazy. Uh, no, but I think that's a beautiful thing. I think uh, you know to to see because. I believe they bring messages. 
you know, and and I think you're right because when I was doing the lecture last week, uh, one of the gentlemen, um, he was an older gentleman, and he was Native American, and, um, you know, he shared with me, he goes, you know, and he was maybe well into his 60s, maybe early 70s, and he got up and he really, he just, he... Um, he he was speaking a lot, had a lot of questions, had a lot of comments, shared a lot of ex- his experiences, and he, he said kind of the same thing that you did. He goes, because of his Native American heritage, that he feels that for whatever reason, um, activity um, experiences do happen. And um, he was telling me some amazing things um, that uh, electrically that he was able to affect, like uh, electrical impulses and stuff, because they thought he was crazy as a child, so they put him in the Hudson Valley Psychiatric uh, Ward as a child, and they hooked him up, I guess, to all these different tests and whatnot, and uh, they were puzzled. They just didn't know what to make of him. He goes, I'm, I'm not crazy. He goes, these things happen. I feel them. I hear them. I see them. And I, wow. you know, hmm. and yeah, and, he, and I'm telling you, I met him. He's, he was not a crackpot. He was not a crazy person, just very sincere. You know, and um, yeah, so I, I believe that you are correct. They they just seem as a culture as a whole to have just more of a connection to you know another to another realm. Right? Every everything there are more spiritual people. Yeah, I think a lot of indigenous people have that. You know, um, I want to talk about too um, your experiences at your apartment that you had. Uh, you live in there with your husband, like the Cook Avenue apartment. And there was one that I told you that uh, we were communicating that just, like, gives me the chills. Oh, Beulah. And yes, Beulah, yeah, yes. Yeah, My buddy Beulah, my God, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, she, I guess, was a recluse woman that lived in the basement apartment. I had moved in. Um, it was shortly after my father had died. I couldn't keep the apartment that I shared with him because it was a little bit over what I can afford. So I took yeah. a smaller apartment, and I had no idea this woman lived in the basement. To me, I thought it was just a two-family, you know, uh, husband, wife, small child above me, and then there would be me. And the landlady and her family lived across the street. <clears throat> and um, so I was unpacking or, you know, I was getting, uh, you know, uh, settled in. And this is before even my my then boyfriend, now husband, had moved in, and um, I, I was lying in bed, and I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say on, on your show or not allowed to say, but... Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's totally okay, because it's not live, okay, so okay. we can bleep things out. Yeah. Okay, um, I was, you know, it's like... Especially if it's, like, in context, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, exactly what you read in the book, that's exactly what I heard, you know, and I'd be lying in bed, and I'm... And she'd say, demons, whores, and witches. Demons, whores, and yeah. witches. And she had a very grumbly, growly type of crazy old person voice. And I heard this as clear as day. I felt like it was in the room with me. And I almost, you know, messed up my sheets. And I called the landlady. <laughs> I said, what is going on? And she goes, oh, yeah, that's Beulah in the basement. And I went, What? That's a what? In the where? <laughs> what do you mean? She's a crazy old lady that lives in the basement. <laughs> yeah. Right. She goes, you know, she's been there for years. She doesn't have any family. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't have any money. You know, she gets government funds, and we help her. We go, you know, we got her an old black and white TV, and, you know, we give her food every now and again. And 
So I'm like, oh, God, okay, well, whatever, sure, okay, I can, do, I can deal with this. So and then she used to, like, as soon as you put your garbage out, she rummaged through your garbage. And I was like, all right, that, like, was freaky, but okay, uh, you know, I'm going to just go to work, come home, and, and that's it. And what, you know, brings her happiness, you know, whatever. So she would always growl and say demons, whores, and witches, and scream, and yell, and growl, and I... I was getting so frightened, and I, I knew, you know, she was a live human being, but I just knew that she was mentally insane. Um, right. So, you know, my husband, you know, we, we start dating. I go, you know what? You're paying for your apartment over there. I'm paying for my apartment over here. You're always, just move in, you know. And, okay. So I, he knew about Beulah. I had to tell him about Beulah. So he was like, oh, my God, what a crazy, you know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. So it went on and on and on, and I'd call the landlady, and I'd, and I'd complain. So I'm like, okay, I can't take it anymore, you know. I call her, I go, Tina, um, really, um, Beulah's acting up again. She's not shutting up. She's growling, screaming, calling out profanities. She goes, Donna, just stop it. And I went, no, I'm telling you right now, Beulah, she doesn't stop it. And she goes, Donna, she died two weeks ago. Her body's in Ugh. ice in the morgue because no one's coming to claim her body. They took her oh. body out. Well, I was at work one day, and my husband was at work. The hazmat team, I guess, she, I guess my landlady went in there to check on her or give her some soup, found her dead, called in the hazmat yeah. people. They took her body, put it on nice because she didn't have any money. She didn't have any family to bury her. Right. Um, <clears throat> but I, I heard her clear as a bell. I'm like, Really? Wow, okay. So uh, I was still hearing her. I mean, just very weird. Um, so Did you hear her after that? After she, uh, my landlady told me that she had died, I didn't yeah. hear her anymore. I was like, huh. wow, okay, that is too weird because even my husband, he's sitting in the living room and he goes, I'm turning up the TV because I can't hear my movie over this crazy woman. I went, I know, I'm calling the landlady right now. So, I mean, imagine how crazy we looked to the landlady complaining about a dead woman, you know, that's been dead for two weeks, you know. She must have thought um, I was horrible. Like, you know. She she had, uh, it, 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 what what is just like disturbing to me about that story is there she was for a very long time alive, um, yelling and screaming these profanities off the top of her lungs, being crazy, digging through the trash. And then she dies, and then she's still obviously down there doing the same thing. Yeah. That, and it's like she's stuck. And that's that's almost like a form of hell. Yeah, in a way. exactly. It was like mental hell. Whatever was wrong with her, I mean, you know, my heart went out to her in some ways, but there was like she, you could not communicate with her because I remember a couple of times before I, I was like, oh, hi, how are you? And she'd be like, Arr! I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Right. You know, like you just w withdraw your hand because you're afraid you're going to draw back a, you know, draw back a bloody stump or something. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. never mind. <laughs> I'm just going to go up to my apartment now, have a nice night, whatever. Um, so that that was like, you know, that's that's terribly sad, you know. But then it was like closure. It's like as soon as uh, my landlady told me she had died, I was like, what? <laughs> You can imagine. Yeah. And I said, and I, I was on the phone with her, and I and I said uh, to my husband, I was like, John, um, she died like two weeks ago. He goes, no way. 
You know, <laughs> I was like, yeah, Ray, I mean, she's dead. She's gone. So after that, we, we didn't hear her. So I don't know if maybe she had closure or I don't know if we just had closure on the situation or we were able to keep hearing her. I mean, it's so terribly sad. It really is. Right. Makes you wonder who's in that apartment now. Yeah. Whether they're having any experiences. And there was a couple other experiences that your husband had. Uh, one that was like um, really freaky, like something happened to him while he was in the shower. This was almost something like reminded me of like The Shining or something. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I was just coming home. It was, you know, near the end of the day. He had gotten off the train. Um, so, you know, we, we lived uh, in Yonkers at the time. So he was not too far from the train. He'd, you know, take a bus and then walk up the hill to our apartment. So he's like, okay, he's in the shower. He knew I was going to be home in maybe 15, 20 minutes. And um, he left the bathroom door open to take the shower because, you know, it was only the two of us, and I wasn't even home at that point. And so yeah. – and he heard something and all of a sudden the shower curtain moved over. It was a woman that looked at him. He went, Oh, I'll be right out. And he, then he realized it wasn't me. It was like the same height as me. And he just assumed it was me because who else would be coming into the apartment and looking in the shower at him? You know, it's like, you know, he thought it was me just saying, Oh, Hey, I'm home, you know, and that's it. And then he realized, Oh my God, that's not Donna, you know? So he finished up, then he heard me come in, and he, he told me he was totally freaked out. He goes, she moved the shower curtain and looked at me. I mean, it was like she was looking for someone. <laughs> I was like, no. oh, my God. So, um, you know, and my husband, he's not one to, you know, he had many experiences in that apartment. And I told him, I said, you know, some freaky stuff goes on in here. I just want to warn you. And he went, yeah, okay. And slow but surely, things started unwinding and happening to him. And he goes, there's something not right about this place. And I went, yeah, I know. I, I can't put my finger on it, but there's a lot of activity going on. So. And he said that he had some kind of experience, like when he woke up um, in the night and he saw like a hooded figure by his butt? Yes. He said he kind of looked like... Um, like a monk from the past or, you know, he couldn't, that's the best way he could describe it to me. And I'm a really light sleeper. And in fact, I have insomnia, but for whatever reason, this entire period of time that he was able to have this experience, he kept looking over at me and I was out cold. I mean, I can hear a flea fart in the next room. So he was really astonished that I was not coherent. I would not wake up. I would not look over and then um, he woke me up after this, this gentleman had faded away, and he was, like, looking at him in a really sorrowful face in a sorrowful way, and he was just shaking his head, like, mm-mm, like, you know, back and forth, like he was upset about something. And um, he goes, I don't know who that man was. He goes, but I saw him very, very solid, and then very slowly he faded until he was almost yeah. through and then dissipated. Um, and I said, why didn't you like shake me? And he goes, I was just in shock. He goes, I kept looking at you hoping, you know, and you know, no dice. I didn't wake up, which was really odd. Just very odd for me to completely sleep through something like that. Has, has he, or are you ever had like any like sleep paralysis experiences? You know, I've heard of that. Uh, A lot of people... Um, tell me that my husband has not um, 
And I have never, thank God, because, you know, as frightened uh, as as you think one would be with everything else going on, the last thing I want to be is, like, paralyzed while witnessing something. At least let me move around and try to communicate with you. Don't, like, freeze me up, you know. Um, so I have never gone through that, thank God. Um, yeah. You know, I've had experiences, uh, you know, where my bed would kind of shake a little bit, you know, and things would knock around in the room, and, um, you know, I would hear things. And uh, But thank God I've I've always had full you know, movement of my body and my whereabouts when anything has ha- uh, taken place, you know, I don't know what I would do. Um, what's, like, a, a story in the book that it doesn't come from you, but, like, what is, like, a good story to tell or what is, like, your kind of, like, personal favorite uh, from someone else that you interviewed in the book? Um, you know, one that... I, well, there's there's actually a few of them, but uh, I'm going to give you two examples. There's one of uh, one of my girlfriend that uh, she said that her grandfather had passed away long before she was born. So she, you know, she was in her toddler in the uh, what do they call a uh, crib? You know, I'm like, what what yeah. do they call that thing a baby sleeps in? Oh yeah, a crib. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, she remembers a gentleman uh, in a suit. And kind of like a fedora, like, you know, like 1930s, 40s type of thing, like a boardwalk empire type of outfit, um, right. come in and visit with her and, you know, smile at her and play peekaboo and all this other stuff. And she, you know, and she felt so happy uh, when this, this, this presence came around her. And uh, she would get a little bit older and still see this gentleman. So when she got way older, she went to go visit a relative. She was walking up... Um, the stairs and they had photographs on the wall she stopped dead in her tracks and she goes who who is that and they go that's your grandfather she goes that is the man that used to come and visit me as a child in my room all the time wow yeah so that was that was a really beautiful story that i enjoyed uh another <clears throat> one was uh where my my other girlfriend um who's also a paranormal investigator, she she had an experience um, about her, her aunt, like a, or they called her Nanny Dave, and her and her girlfriend went to go visit her aunt and her uncle up upstate, and um, she goes, you know, don't mess, don't mess with her, don't, don't, um, you know, it's, they, they say it might be haunted here, don't do it, don't do it, so her and her girlfriend were in the bed, and uh, they kept making noise, and the aunt and uncle kept saying, shush, up there, shush, up there, stop it, you know. And uh, they couldn't stop it. They couldn't stop giggling. It's like being told, you know, don't speak in a library, and then that's all you do. Um, yeah. And sure enough, Nanny Dave was long gone. She's passed on. Um, they see this woman in a nightgown, and she was really tall, maybe about six feet tall. And she showed herself at the door, and she looked really stern at the two of them, and her girlfriend got up and ran right through her. And so uh, my girlfriend was like, okay, I'm right behind her. So they packed up and they left. Her aunt said, uh, what happened? They go, uh, we're, we're just going to go. We're just going to leave. We're going we're gonna to leave right now. And that, that was pretty cool that they had this experience. You also yourself, um, an interesting story in the book um, was uh, like you had a near-death experience or or something like well i don't know if it would categorize it as a near-death experience but you had like an experience where you saw um something that like you shouldn't have 
physically been able to see while you were in an operation. Right. Um, uh, gosh, how many years ago? I would say about 16 years ago, I had some nasal surgery. So yeah. my sister had said, okay, I'm going to drive you down the city because I lived at Yon- in Yonkers. The, the surgery was in Manhattan at Lenox Hill Hospital. And um, she goes, I'm going to drive you down there and, um, you know, and, and I'll wait for you in recovery and then, you know, we'll, I'll drive you back home. I said, okay, great. So I remember in, um, when they were hooking me up to the IV and the anesthesiologist came in and, and stuff and, you know, I looked at him and I grabbed him by the, you know, the neck, the collar of his scrubs, you know, the V part, and he looked at me a little frightened and I said, just juice up that uh, that anesthesia because I don't want to know anything. I just don't want to remember anything. Just knock me out. Don't make sure I don't wake up. Yeah. And he goes, well, you're going to have to wake up. I said, no, I don't mean kill me. Just, you know. And he looked at me. <laughs> he's like looking at me like, oh, this woman's nuts. And, um, you know, I went into the surgery, and I remember looking at the surgeon. I remember the, the nurse's name. Her name was Chiffon. She gave me a nice warm blanket out of the little oven. I felt so comfortable. I looked at my surgeon and I said, you look like KC from KC and the Sunshine Band. And that's the last thing I remember. Um, I'm lucky I didn't wake up with like, you know, a Jimmy Durante nose or something, you know, like I'll get even with her, you know, um, (laughs) like the pig face woman in the Twilight Zone or something. And um, so that's the last thing I remember. So then I'm waking up, I'm in recovery and... I'm looking, and my sister is sitting beside me, and she's like, how are you feeling? And I'm smiling at her, and I go, he was so cute. And she goes, who, a male nurse, the doctor, who was cute? And she's like, you know, leaning in, trying to get a good, juicy story from me. And I went, the pig you had in your hands. She had been in the gift shop, um, I guess, when I was under, obviously when I was under, and she was looking at the stuffed animals. And at that time, I had a collection of stuffed pigs. Um, And... People, you know, anybody who knew me, they were just giving me pigs, figurines, stuffed animals, shirts with pigs on them. Everything was pigs. Don't even know why. I, I like them. They're cute. But, I, I mean, I had hundreds of them. Um, so she's looking at me, and she goes, how did you know I had a pig in my hand? She goes, I was going to get you one. She goes, but it was more expensive than the parking, and I was afraid I was going to need more parking money. So yeah. it was really quite a thing to to actually have this experience, apparently uh, I must have connected somehow. I'm not saying I died. I wasn't dead. I mean, they didn't tell me I died. There were no complications. But for whatever reason, I kind of left or transcendentally, I don't know. I don't know what you would even call it. But I actually was able to see what my sister was holding in her hand to get me. You know, it's stories like that that make me think that just like, to me, um, almost prove like the existence of the soul. That there's got to be something beyond just our bodies and our brains. Oh, yeah, definitely. Just is. What's, what's the physical. Um, you, you mentioned some things in the book, too. Um, do you practice like, um, what is it, transcendental meditation? Well, I don't practice it. I, I know about it um, when yeah. I was really young. My aunt, uh, she's long gone, um, used to do it. She tried to teach me how to do it. I think I tried it once. It kind of made me a little nervous, but it's not something I sit here and do because, um, you know, you really have to know what you're doing um, to, to do that, you know. So I, I prefer any of my experiences that I happen to go through that they happen organically uh, just on their own and not with me forcing it, you know. Yeah. 
do you feel like um, things like that and um, Ouija boards or just just messing around with things? Do you think that they can bring like negative entities across? I think Ouija boards, um, as you know, anyone who's read the Lee Avenue, I misused the board. I did not use it as a tool. I was a stupid child who should have waited for her brother to show her how to use it properly between two people and connecting. And plus, you know, I look at it like everybody goes, oh, my God, it's taboo. Oh, my God, that's horrible. That's, uh, to me, it's nothing more than a tool. It's like if you go to Home Depot and you purchase a hammer, um, obviously you're going to hammer, you know, nails into the walls or whatever or tighten up wood on the end of it, whatever you use it for. You're not, if you use a hammer incorrectly, think of all the bad things you can do with a hammer. You can knock holes into the wall. You can hit someone in the head and kill them. You know, you can bang your finger when trying to hang a picture. If you do it correctly, you know, the right, uh, the right end result will occur. You know, um, yeah. and, and a lot of people become addicted to the Ouija board. You know, I think that they're very artistic and beautiful. Um, I don't have a Ouija board in, in my belongings at this time. Um, if I did, it would not scare me. Um, but I just, I just, for whatever reason, I just don't have one right now. But I yeah. always tell people that you need to respect it as anything else. Luke doesn't really believe the whole Ouija board thing. He thinks it's so much of No, I, I don't. I mean, it, it's just because its history is, uh, you know, yeah. some some guy tried to pass it off as a an Egyptian term, and Ouija's been proven to just be something that he made up. And it's a combination of we and jaw. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like yes, no. I mean, yes, no. Right, but, right. Um, for me, the Ouija board, it can be used as as a message device. You know, um, I think, you know, the way we use it on some of our investigations, because I, I have a friend who owns a Victorian home, and she collects them because they're artistic and beautiful, and she just likes the way they, you know, so sometimes she hangs them or uses them as, you know, puts them on a coffee table and puts coasters on them, and, you know, cause just for artistic value. Um, and usually what we do is we take our K2 meters, our EMFs, and our digital recorders, and I say, you know what, I'm, let's just place everything down on it, um, on the Ouija board. And we sit in our dining room, and basically I'm not using the planchette. I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, connecting. So I'm not using it in the traditional sense. I'm just placing my equipment on there. And as we ask questions, the meters do light up corresponding with certain things that we're asking. Um, so, I mean, we've used it that way, too. I'm not advising that, oh, just because I did it like that, anybody else can or should. This is just something that we found at least three or four times that we tried that it does work that way. And we tried it like that in several different rooms of our house, uh, thinking, well, maybe it's just this room or maybe it's this table or, you know, and we've gotten the same type of, uh, volume of, of responses from it. So, I mean, well, anything can be used as a tool. Yeah, that's, I think that way too, actually. I mean, on, on the flip side, um doesn't matter really, I guess, about the history of, of how it came into existence. Right. I mean, uh, just like you said, I mean, there, throughout history, throughout the, all mythos, you know, people have used different devices for divination purposes and such so right there's things like automatic writing too which don't really require like anything 
other than just like a pen and paper. Exactly. So I think it's just yeah, just the what you're using. Right. Um, go ahead. I was going to say that um, you know you you watch some of these shows and they have equipment and there's uh, equipment like the REM pods and everything and people they go out and they go well I went to the uh, you know. Uh, ghost equipment store and I purchased this and that and the other thing and I go you know you don't need all of that you know you really don't I mean yeah bells and whistles are nice but you know paying your phone bill and your car note is is nicer you know what I'm saying (laughs) you don't need to look like a ghostbuster you know you just go in there with very minimal equipment that's all I ever do is very minimal equipment um and I met I'm not going to say who he is because uh, you know I met someone that was on a show and we were doing a co-investigation and they had a REM pod and they were, Oh my God, you know, if you want to buy this, you go on the site, it's a hundred and something dollars and going on and on and on. (laughs) And I'm like, you sound like a home shopping network ad. I'm like, so out of my bag, I take a cat toy with a sensory object in it. And he looked and he goes, what the hell is that? I go, I bought it for $5 at ocean lots. And it does the same thing your REM pod does. Well, since we're on the subject, a little bit of time that we have left here, um, you know, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about, like, the state of, like, the paranormal and, like, all the TV shows and whether that's, like, you know, kind of fading now and, you know, what, you know, there's still, but there still is kind of this idea of a lot of people get into this just to kind of get a TV show now and and there's, some people are not really honest about it. Yeah, <laughs> they they aren't um, because people have to remember, not everything can be solved in thirty to sixty minutes. Um, and there are times that, and I I was on a couple of shows, and I you know, and I and I do appreciate the the media coverage that we got, but I did not appreciate the fact that we were told, no, you have to do this, no, you have to look scared now because we have to reenact the way. And I went, yeah. I wasn't scared. I wasn't screaming. <laughs> I wasn't doing what, you know. Like, oh! yeah, exactly. And they go, no, you have to do that again. And they'd put the, the camera up my nostril hairs and be like, okay, go, oh! I'm like, I didn't do that. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just do it. <laughs> then I'm in the studio, and they have me, you know, reading, I was terrified. I'm like, but I wasn't terrified. Just say you were terrified. I'm like, but I wasn't terrified. I'm not a five-year-old child. You know, my name's not Reagan. My head's not spinning. I wasn't terrified, <laughs> you know. And, you know, I, yay, you know, something, it was a free trip. I should never look a gift horse in the mouth. But I just want to be honest when I meet people. I go, producers need ratings and shows need ratings. And without ratings, they don't have shows. And um, the fact that one of the, I'm not going to say his name, but there was someone very popular on a very popular show admitted they've never had an experience, you know, huh. and it's like, really? Wow. Well, you know, I'm glad that this person came out and said that, but it kind of makes them all look like big fat liars. And that's what's so annoying to me. You know, yeah. I'd rather be honest and say, look, you know, this is what happened. Sometimes you sit in a dark basement for five and six hours. And, you know, you've you got spiders crawling on you. You might go home with fleas. You know, you scour yourself in a shower and you go, you go through all your, you know, your evidence and you don't come up with not a damn thing, you know. And there are right. times that you have authentic experiences when you least expect it. 
It's when you look for it, you're not going to have it, you know. And all these people come out of the woodwork, and they want us to investigate their homes, but uh, most of them, and I hate to say this, but they're like hoarders. They should they should ask hoarders on TLC to cover them, not me. They you know they need to clean their homes and they need to you know stop doing the um the mind altering drugs, and they'll stop yeah, seeing their help. visions. You know, <laughs> and I'm not and I'm not saying everybody who has an experience is like that. But we've you know as of recently we've gotten a couple of winners. It's like wait people, you know just get some Mister Clean in here and and cut out the the pills and you'll be fine. <clears throat> You know, that's just common sense. You don't need an exorcism, you know. So, Donna, you're telling me that you don't put on an affliction T-shirt and go in there and yell at, yell at ghosts? No. You, you don't know, call them bro? It's funny because, you know, I'm one of the co-founders of IndyPara, and, like, our members go, well, where's my T-shirt? I go, I don't wear a T-shirt. I just go in there dressed as me. I don't go in there, like, yeah, with right. the typical black shirt and, you know, doing the pose to the side with both my arms up, like, you know, uh, with the the paranormal pout, I mean, what is that about? You know, I don't. I'm just a regular human being. You know, I clean cat litter. I walk the dog. You know, yeah. And that's it. You know, I don't. I'm a I'm a real human being. You know, people think, oh my God, you know, you must be glowing with radiation or something. No, it's I'm not. I'm a regular human being, and you just go in there. And you do the best that you can. You know, and I'm honest with a lot of people. I kind of got a little snippy with someone. I said, look. You got too many people in this house. My audio equipment is going to be contaminated. I said, you got a lot of spiders mm-hmm. in your basement. And they go, well, we smell rotted meat. I go, you're cooking something right now. So, <laughs> you know, I try to debunk and dispel things before, you know, I try to prove things. But, I mean, if things are just so off course and obvious, you know, I, I bring them to light. And, um, right. you know, people get a little annoyed by my honesty, but... You know, I have to. I have to be honest. I mean, if, if you know, what else can I be? And what's ironic is that uh, I feel like if we just had one TV station on satellite that had uh, nothing but entirely real, just raw programming, no makeup and no scripts, I think it would be the most popular channel ever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I agree with or you. Or the most boring. I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you as long as I'm not on that TV show with no makeup <laughs> because that's pretty that's pretty scary. <laughs> well, Donna, uh, where where can people get your books and uh, how like could people like uh, like contact you? Um, they can contact me on Facebook and um, you know Donna Parrish Bischoff. They can also go to the Lee Avenue Haunting and Growing Up Paranormal Facebook page. Um, they can purchase my books on Amazon.com, and they are available on paperback and Kindle. And if you know you're ever in the Hudson Valley, and you know, um, you know, drop me a line and and see if I'm doing a lecture in your neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to come up there just to see that uh, FDR, the home up there, Hyde Park. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm I'm just down the block from there actually. I'm just, I'm not going to give an address out because you never know what wacko wants to slap me around. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Donna. Thank Stay you, guys. We're, we're going to close out thank this you. segment, but stay with us just for a bit. All right. Uh, we'll be right back on Conspiranormal. Hi, welcome back to Conspiranormal. And uh, I tried to get Luke to do his uh, Zach Baggins impression, but he said, we, just, said we, he said we've done it before, so it, I, I don't it's remember. It's played this, out. Like, does anyone even watch that anymore? <laughs> a lot of people watch it, dude. It's like it's like eleventh season or something, like I'm, season fifty-seven of Ghost I can't, Adventures. I mean, like you, you know me. 
You know me, like I don't have. I'm a nomad. I don't have a TV. Like right, I, I don't right. watch anything on satellite. I can't believe that it's still a show and still has followers. I mean, I, I think you're actually lucky that you don't watch TV. It's probably a good thing, actually. Probably, you know. But uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I enjoyed that interview with Donna. That was really good. Um, uh-huh. We had uh, talked about a, a bunch of different stuff, and it's always good for me. I, I always love hearing personal experiences like that, and. Uh, um, you know, last week, uh, we had Tennessee Ray Chasers on and, uh, we had some audio issues that night, man. And, uh, I'm sorry if, uh, you know, everybody heard that show and we ended up sounding like we were speaking out of the bottom of a tin can, but that has been, uh, fixed now. We recorded it in the toilet looking. bowl. Right. We were recording, <laughs> we recorded it in the toilet bowl, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, uh, you know, Zach was here and, uh. Joe was here, so we thank them for coming out, and uh, it was a good show. Uh, we're going to continue uh, next week. Uh, we're kind of doing like a show a week, uh, trying to get. Uh, we're going to get the guy on named uh, Pat Fitzhugh, and he's going to come in and talk about the Bell Witch, and um, which is a you know kind of like a local thing here in Tennessee. Uh, Bell Witch is um, like kind of like a local legend, and. Uh, Supposedly, it's like the only time that uh, someone has actually been killed by a by a ghost. So, um, and we're talking about some other like southern, you know, ghost stories too with him. So I'm looking forward to that. And then after that, uh, trying to get on uh, guys from another show that's on Destination America called Ghost Stalkers, and uh, that uh, sounds like it might be interesting as well. So, Luke, you got anything to add before we call it a night? Uh, uh, Luke is he's brain dead people he's hes done all the stress man <laughs> I know man you've been working really hard and um, getting up at like what 5 in the morning yes. get to work I am not, six, I'm not uh, a morning person dude oh God. I am not a morning person like I won't even talk to anybody the first hour like I'm, I'm just pissed off all morning <laughs> Pissed off at the world. Yeah. <laughs> you should go in drunk one day. I've done that before. It kind of worried me. I feel like everybody was on to me, man. It's not It's not a laid-back work environment whatsoever. Right, right. Yeah, we won't say who Luke works for, but, you know. So, I want to thank everybody for, for listening, and uh, we'll, be right, we'll be back next week uh, with Pat Fitzhugh talking about the Bell Witch, and... Uh, Will you join us next week on Conspiranormal?
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.